0: Welcome back, Tom from the Progressive Mind Center. This is the Progressive Mind Center podcast. I'm joined with my good friend, Michael Schreiber, once again. Uh, We're making this a weekly thing, which I'm actually really excited about. We were just talking about how this is something we really look forward to. So um, we'll have a number of different uh, conversations. And tonight is one that is affecting uh, the whole nation, the whole world even. uh, And it's related to this coronavirus. And we're going to kind of share our own. Um, uh, issues and concerns we've had, and plus our own coping uh, skills that we've sort of implemented, uh, ways that we've adapted to this new uh, uh, normal um, sense of being in this world, and uh, and just kind of go from there. So I uh, hope that you enjoy. Uh, Michael, um, so yeah, just kind of share with me some of uh, the, the stuff that's going on for you, especially related to this uh, virus thing.
1: Yeah, nice to be back as always. This is uh, something I'm also looking forward to weekly. It's just it's nice to be able to talk to you and talk about stuff that I'm passionate about, and I know you do too. Um, and you know, I think tonight's topic is extremely relevant and timely. And um, for me, uh, coronavirus anxiety, I think, is something that is has become a real thing. Um, I know that I have gotten several phone calls from patients, new patients wanting help in treatment because they've been experiencing a lot of anxiety and fear about contracting the illness. And a lot of the folks that I've spoken to on the phone um, haven't ever been in treatment before. And suddenly they're experiencing all these very overwhelming symptoms, and they're scared. And um, you know, I was thinking about that in terms of my own fear about what's going on and how it's affecting me and my loved ones. And um, I've had quite a bit of anxiety myself. Um, I know I've been thinking a lot and experiencing some paranoia, even particularly. Um, At my office, I work for uh, the Veterans Administration full-time. I'm working from home several days a week now, but I still have to go in a couple of times a week. And before I was granted working from home privileges, I was still going in five days a week. And at our program, uh, it's an outpatient program for substance abuse, we were running groups. Even one or two weeks into the panic, we were still running groups. And that was definitely anxiety provoking for me. I think it was anxiety provoking for our patients also. And um, and it was scary and it's still scary. And I still notice that I am anxious. And I notice that my patients are anxious as well. I was speaking to a young man today, a young veteran today um, over video we're doing telephonic sessions and we're doing video sessions now which is great that the VA has moved in that direction and he's frightened and scared and I think part of it is because you know we don't have all the information yet We certainly have more information now than we did a few weeks ago but um, it's uh, it's very scary you know I don't know if you've experienced the same thing with yourself or you know, with your clients, but I certainly have, and I've been wondering what what is that about? What is really the underlying um, you know dilemma here for patients? because I think the virus itself is is not the underlying problem. I think the underlying issues for people are a few things: uncertainty, lack of safety helplessness, powerlessness. Um, And I think that's really what's underlying all of this right now, because this is the the ultimate situation where you would find yourself feeling very powerless and helpless. This invisible enemy that, you know, this intangible phantom that is um, harming us and not feeling like we really have any control over what's happening to us and that's what's so frightening and scary and it's manifesting itself that fear is manifesting itself in lots of ways with anxiety and panic and paranoia and buying a lot of toilet paper manifesting itself in in many colorful ways yeah so um so that's what i've noticed i'm not sure what you've noticed in your practice
0: well you touched on so many different things and i mean uh i have severely been pretty anxious although i don't show it and i feel like i kind of have to be on and i know we've talked about it in um uh, other uh episodes or two um and, and i really attribute this uh uh you mentioned about this sort of um uh invisible monster that's out there or or some something along those lines it's just this this thing you can't see um and how do you really protect yourself other than the hand washing and social distancing and uh you know hand sanitizer and things like that and then of course wearing the masks you know um that's all well and good but it's it's i think the biggest fear for me and uh and i can certainly vouch for um um some of my patients uh you know admitting that the the fear too is we're not exactly sure when how it's ever going to go back to um normal what what we throw around but i mean to where we feel like we can just go out and drive to the store to the supermarket or to walgreens or cvs or Um, Dwayne Reed or what have you and just go in and get you know some candy and maybe a soda without feeling like you know I gotta wear my mask and have my gloves and sanitize and keep away from people and then you know look down that one aisle to see if there happens to be maybe a roll of paper towels or toilet paper you know um, and do I need to grab anything else because I don't want to be you know I mean I used to go out every couple of nights just really just to kind of get out and grab some stuff here and there. I could just grab a bunch of things, which is that's what I'm doing now. But uh, I kind of like just kind of going out and seeing people and shopping and whatever. Yeah. But it's not like that and I and I think uh that's really scary. Um and we're we're just not sure when we're going to get back to or what the new normal is going to be there's a tremendous amount of anxiety uh, that has cropped up from people that don't necessarily have a a quote unquote mental illness or disorder. In fact, and I think we've already spoken to it, um, but I'll bring up again. um, It seems like people that uh, have already been working on some disturbances or some illness are finding it easier to cope (laughs) now because they're, they're kind of already in, a perpetual state of crisis or trying to manage uh, something so this is just another day um, where others who have not been in this crisis and when you're in a crisis it really means that you lack the internal resources to kind of cope with that that's there's something outside of there you know when a traumatic thing happens it's, it's traumatic because it has not happened to you before and you don't know how to deal with it or to cope with it so a lot of people are faced with this that haven't had to uh, deal with something similar, like having a mental illness or disorder that they're trying to um, manage from day to day. And so I have had an influx of newer client, which is great because of course I don't think therapy needs to be just when you're disturbed or when there's some issue you have to deal with. I think it's good just to have somebody who's non-judgmental, who has unconditional positive regard, who can just be there as a sounding board or can, offer some suggestions or at least just hold the space for you to talk. I think that's important um, for anybody to have that. Um, anyway, uh, as I digress, um, yes, uh, it it's so uncertain um, what is going to happen, but I think that's where my fear lies in. Uh, there's also the political arena. I mean, this was a big political year. We're not sure what's happening with that. Um, the economy. I mean, are we up? Or are we down? What's it going to take? We're being stimulated, you know? <laughs> uh, so I, I'm scared and I have a, a private practice, you know, solely private practice, you know, um, with a psychiatrist. And then we have, you know, renters, other therapists too. But, you know, so my my business partner and I are, are you know, doing our best to try to stay afloat and we're doing we're doing pretty well but i mean there's that we're a small business so i mean how do we manage this so those are the fears um it's just like this perpetual state like in florida we have hurricanes and so i think we talked about it before but the hurricanes come you know and our, our state freaks out especially you know the areas where it's supposed to hit we, we freak out justifiably. So we run out to the store, we buy batteries, we buy water, we buy this, that, the other thing, we stock up sandbags, um, uh, plywood, the likes and we're ready. You, you see it coming. You're watching on the weather channel. It's, it's going to be here in 12 hours or at least close to us in 12 hours. And we're watching it and we go to sleep we wake up we turn the news and we see it, you know, um, and then uh, it, it comes and you see the weather change you see the we don't see this with this virus we go on you know um, news programs cnn fox what have you um uh, it doesn't matter to me which one you're into uh, we all have our particular ones but you go on and you see the numbers rise and you see our political leaders talking about this that and the other thing but the, there's no end in sight at least like with a hurricane you know hey within two weeks, it's going to be gone. And, you know, we'll deal with whatever devastation there is or not, hopefully, but it'll be over. But with this, we have no idea. There's talk about second, third waves coming. There's talk about um, there's not going to be a vaccine ready for, you know, another year and a half. Maybe we'll have, they're talking about the antibody tests. I mean, maybe some of us have already had it, the asymptomatic, it just seems like, the characteristics of this thing are always changing and I mean I don't know what's up what's down what's left what's right <laughs> I know I'm just kind of rambling on but um, it yeah. seemed like you were uh, you were on board with uh, and on the same frequency with a lot of those thoughts
1: yeah well you know particularly when you said you know some clients of yours are you know kind of like this is this is old hat to me you know the social distancing thing you know I've spoken to a lot of Disabled veterans um, and a lot of them have said so social distancing. I've been doing that for years This this is nothing new for me, you know, you might you call that isolating, you know Now it's called social distancing. It's a good thing. You should stay home. You should stay to yourself <laughs> You've know? right. we should, we've yeah. been telling them not to do that because a lot of these veterans are trying to be in recovery also and isolating is the enemy of recovery and we've been telling them for years you know don't isolate right connect with others <laughs> right. and now, we're, now yeah. we're saying don't connect with anybody
0: because if so, you isolate um, you get trapped uh, in your head and that's a dangerous place to be you know right
1: now that's all there um, that's all there is yeah, um, yeah I know, so it, it's it's an it's a peculiar time you know down is up and up is down and um uh, so it's it's odd And we're all trying to kind of get a foothold on this, I think. And so there's a parallel process that's clearly going on um, with, uh, you know, in terms of, you know, the clinician and the patient. And I think that that's a a way of, I think connecting on on that level is a way of staying connected and unified in the therapeutic relationship where it's kind of like, yeah, you know what? You're you're afraid? Me too. Me too. But I think that there are some very concrete things that we all can do to minimize our anxiety and reality test and do some very tangible things and take some very tangible action that can be very helpful to um, keep us in reality. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because it's very easy to, and I've seen it in some of my Patients, particularly uh, the veteran population that I work with, they're a little susceptible to uh, conspiracy theories, and and I don't know that that's healthy. Um, of course, that's a perfect way of distracting yourself with conspiracy theories. Uh, to you know, I don't know, attribute this to uh, China. Uh, trying to, if this is a biological weapon designed by China. Because if, if, you, if you start entertaining those conspiratorial theories, then you're not thinking about your own real fears and what are those real fears. And I, I think to go back to powerlessness, helplessness, uncertainty, vulnerability, and I think for a lot of people, those are, those are not new things that they're dealing with. And this situation is only inflaming that. It's really stimulating that. It's, it's provoking these feelings that so many people try and push away. feelings of vulnerability, you know, it's uncomfortable. They don't like that. So we try and keep it away in, in us too. And this is a situation that it's very difficult to push it away because it's so inundating, especially with um, the way communication is now and the media is now. Anything that happens, we get an update on our phone immediately. So sometimes maybe too much information is just as bad as not enough information. And so I, th- you know, I think you really have to manage how much information you consume. I know when this first started, I couldn't stop listening to NPR. I just had it on constantly. I was listening to the reports constantly. I was watching, you know, for me, it's, you know, Andrew Cuomo's, you know, daily um, uh, uh, press conferences that he would have. I was watching them every day and I was was anxious. And then I, I stopped, I stopped watching and consuming as much and I feel a whole lot better. I'm still trying to keep, uh, you know, I'm just consuming, I'm still consuming because I want information, I'm just consuming less now and I feel a whole lot better. But when this first started, I was, I was very anxious.
0: Me too, I, we had the news on all the time and uh, it, was, it was just like fueling our, my wife and I, our, our anxiety. Well we couldn't it was like a train wreck. you know you couldn't take your eyes off of it. you want to watch it. I Now it's just it's the same well it's it's not the same, but it's just it's so like enough already. So I think that has enabled us to watch Hulu, watch Netflix, watch something else, consume other things that we can uh, just escape into uh, for the moment instead of being hyper focused on that. We know that it's still out there. Um, and we're not avoiding it. It's just sort of just 20 minutes here, 20 minutes there, just to get kind of an update, just to get enough. Um, and I think, you know, since we uh, we adapt uh, as human beings, we've kind of adapted to this new, you know, I only go out, you know, once every once a week or once every two weeks. I, you know, um, quarantine myself. I engage in more social media. I do things virtually. I mean, I guess one of the um, pluses for me, if there was, you know, to look at, a, at positives that have come out from this virus is that um, we've been using our technology um, for, for good in a lot of ways, not that it's all good, but I mean, like for zoom, me being able to utilize the zoom platform or at least the virtual platform to do therapy and, I'm at home, but I'm still able to connect with multiple people throughout the day and uh you know what it cuts down on gas. people are not having to drive you know um it's just about logging in to you know or hitting a link on your phone or on your tablet so that's helpful um uh not as many missed appointments you know because of traffic or you know because or forgetting um uh, things because i'm sending reminders and i'm able to you know interface with them quickly hey um unless they forgot about it and then even in that case if they're they can throw on a shirt they just click the link and there we are you know uh chatting back and forth even if it's just audio or just over the phone so i think that has helped it, it's uh, astounding to me how much technology has really increased because i've i've been sort of a um I don't want to get too involved with that. I still want to maintain touch and face-to-face interaction because those things are important to me. But this is, you know, time when you can't have any touch or face-to-face interaction. So I'm grateful that we have the uh, availability to do that. And the fact that people are, you know, I think more mindful of somebody else's space, um, And, of course, germs and cleanliness and, you know, being uh, a little bit more on guard. I think uh, those are some positives, if if you can call them positives.
1: Sure, It's it's certainly an exercise in boundaries and limits, um, which we all need to be practicing those anyway. Uh, And so this is a very good exercise in that physical physical ones anyway. You know, we need to be practicing emotional boundaries also. But... Yeah, it's a good. Pra- I think this is a good practice in many things, and this is what I've been trying to um, tell my clients also that this is an opportunity. We have an opportunity to maybe understand ourselves a little bit better. This is a time where we're being forced to be still and reflect, and those are good things. And we can utilize this time for that. People are constantly saying, I don't have the time to do many things, X, Y, and Z. I don't have the time to do this. I don't have the time to do that. Well, guess what? Now you have the time.
0: You got time now. Yeah. (laughs) You got time to clean. You got time time to fix that. (laughs) Sure. Clean,
1: whether you want to or not, you'd better do it. Um, I was talking to my wife about, um, you know, people, saying, you know, I, I, uh, I need time off. I need time off from work. I need, vac- I don't get enough vacation. you got it now, you know, for, for a lot of people and you know, for a lot of people, they don't have it. They still have to go into work. You know, I still have to go in two days a week. There are folks that have to go in five days a week because they're essential workers. But uh, you know, I heard about protesting now recently that people desperately want to go back to work for a lot of reasons, financial reasons being the overarching one, which is completely understandable but I also think that people have trouble just sitting with themselves, just being with themselves. I, I think it's very difficult for people you know we had talked about that I think, a couple of weeks ago in terms of meditation that that was something that was difficult for you to do and I understand that discomfort and so I think these protests are Yes, I do think that they are about finances, but I also think they are about boredom. I think they are about people being confronted with aspects about themselves that they can't get away from by going into work, by being distracted by their coworkers, by doing a lot of things that they can't do anymore, and so they're faced with being confronted by these things about themselves that they are always trying to run away from and now they can't run away from them. And so they desperately want to get back to their routine, which occupies them and keeps them from thinking, from thinking bad thoughts. You know, I think that's a part of it too.
0: That's very interesting. I mean, so it, it goes to, or speaks to, you know, like, how how much free thought and freedom do we actually have? I mean, just attributing it to just like the daily grind. You know, I picture, you remember those Dunkin' Donuts commercials, that time to make the donuts, you know, the guy would wake up and that's all he would repeat, just zombie like time to make the donuts. I wonder how we are falling into that time to make the donuts type of trap and how eye-opening this whole crisis has been with exactly what you said we're sort of forced to be quarantined and look at ourselves and look at our own thoughts and our feelings and our behaviors and our habits and um, and and how much we rely on the fact that people are just telling us what to do this is when we have to arrive at work these are the tasks we have to perform these are the things we have to buy this is how we live our lives you know and we watch the so we watch the you know media and you know telling us the things that we need to hear and of course we feel like we have ultimate freedom and opportunity and but we really don't you know uh, we, we really are and have become uh sort of zombified in a way so um uh so just taking a moment to really look at who who am i and what do i really want and um I don't have to be bored. Like I don't need something from outside to entertain me. I can read a book. Hell, I could write a book. You know, I I could learn a new trade. I could uh, or a new skill. And you have technology where, I mean, you could take classes virtually for anything. I mean, you can get on the, you know, YouTube and you can see how to tile your backsplash or you can see how to fix a leaky faucet or you can you know, learn uh, another language or, you know, I mean, uh, the world is really uh, at your fingertips and yet we're, um, you know, can't handle it. I got to get back to work, you know, which I get it. And of course, financially speaking, I mean, uh, we, we can't, we can't survive without having money. I mean, this is our, you know, we're gone are the days of uh, um, trading, you know, we need to actually have, green money uh to to pay for things and sure. Yeah. sure
1: you know the other thing is um people are around each other now for you know for for 24 hours a lot of them are now around each other all the time you know when you get when you got to get out and go to work for eight hours you get to be away from these people that you love and care about but you get, I think you get used to not seeing them all day long because, you know, most people have nine to five jobs where they don't see each other all day long. Right. And now you are seeing each other all day long. And you know, I don't know, it, it adds a new wrinkle to the social dynamic, And I don't know, maybe people are getting sick of each other now. You know, I, I mean, i was. I was talking to my wife and we were kind of like, you know, we're, we're getting along okay here. You know, I'm still going to work two days a week, but you know, because my, my wife uh, works from home, she's a social worker as well. And, and she's been working from home for a couple of years now. So she's accustomed to that. Um, but a yeah. few days a week, we're home all day together and, and we're doing okay with very few mishaps. And that's good. But I wonder about other people and what it's like for them. Um, They're around, the kids are home from school and now they're both working from home. What's that like? I don't know. Uh, Maybe not so good. So this is just upending. This is is upending everything. It's upending our lifestyles. It's upending every aspect of of our lives right now.
0: So how the hell do we cope with this thing?
1: (laughs) Well, it's a good question. And I thought about that as well. And, you know, I think we had talked about this a couple of weeks ago, but I think um, embracing the uncertainty, and that's much easier said than done, but you said adapting, and I completely agree with that. And I think uh, we have to adapt and we have to embrace the uncertainty and uh, confront the reality of the situation, which is that it kind of sucks, and not to overeat, not to um, overindulge in all the things that human beings love to overindulge in, to try and avoid that as much as possible. I've, I've heard people say, yeah, I've, I've already gained, you know, five <laughs> <laughs> pounds just from know. being home all day long. Yeah. You know, people, people are all stocked up with food now, too. So, you know, they have a ready supply of their drug of choice. They're at
0: home, they're bored, they need something to do, and they have all this food. And of course, you, could you find, you know, healthy uh, food that you could, you know, like meats and vegetables and things? Well, I mean, if you did get vegetables, sometimes, you know, after, after a week or two, we got good vegetables, they go bad. So anyway, so you get a bunch of junk food, right? <laughs> you know, because you're like, I got to make sure I have something. So you got, and they're
1: Oreos are non-perishable, <laughs>
0: right. Exactly. So you got all this junk food in the cabinet, and you're bored. And w- what do you do? I mean, and you're you have anxiety. Eat it. Like, yeah, you eat the you eat the sack of Oreos. Right, right. Um,
1: so I think uh, the, thinking about the reality of the situation and what would it feel like to confront the reality of the situation, which you know, may be a little different for different people, but what is the reality? The reality is what? What is the reality exactly? We're home, where I, I really, I really is that now I've got to sit with myself. Yeah. You know, if I don't allow myself to binge eat, if I don't allow myself to uh, dr- drink or use illicit substances or anesthetize myself in front of television then what's left i think what's left is confronting who you are and maybe who you are is who you've been trying to get away from for a a very very long time and now you can't and i think it's a perfect opportunity to do some work around that stuff so that's what's one way of coping is a very long winded answer is to confront the reality and to confront yourself and to be open to that and try your best as hard as that may be to embrace that
0: embracing the suck of it
1: Mm -hmm. yeah yeah Yeah. and by the way i don't know that it has to suck that much (laughs) i don't know that that's some people might say that that's that's torture to have to do that other people might say that's a privilege to be able to do that. Well, I, to, I,
0: I, I think because be we've
1: now I don't get to be with myself on a regular basis. Now I get to do that. Maybe that's a privilege.
0: Absolutely. Well, uh, I think since a lot of us um, um, have been trying to avoid dealing with that, there's this uh, created fear that it's going to suck. It's going to be torturous when I think you're you're right on if you really spend some time with it you know um there might be a few awkward moments here and there but it's not that bad I mean you know you can really just delve into embracing okay what what am I what do I like what what do I want to do what do I see moving forward even to just like ponder and and fantasize what if you know I change my whole my whole trajectory or my whole route or my path right now like what if I tried to do something that I really enjoy doing instead of just settling at my current job or my current career what if I maybe you do love exactly where you're going what if I just shifted gears and what would that what would that look like and maybe just sort of play around with that, maybe do some, uh, journaling, you know, just sort of really identifying your thoughts and your feelings, uh, as they come up throughout the day, you might recognize patterns that maybe in the morning you're more optimistic and bright and, uh, alert and, you know, a real go-getter, but by the evening you're more pessimistic and you're sort of second guessing and, you know, I really, you know, um, uh, fear for the worst. I don't know. You might just recognize more things about you. And uh, while that may be scary, it can be very, very rewarding. And I think we have the perfect opportunity to do just
1: that. Right. I think we have, this is a perfect opportunity to learn something about ourselves, develop a greater understanding of ourselves and develop a deeper appreciation for ourselves. And uh, I, I think, I think that this experience is uncomfortable, but it doesn't have to be terrifying. And I think that's what happens. I think people are really terrified, and they're legitimately suffering through this. Um, you know, legitimate, legitimate suffering where people are sick, where people have lost somebody close to them. That's that's legitimate suffering. Um, I think it was I forget maybe it was Jung or Carl Rogers who said neuroses. Is always a substitute for legitimate, legitimate
0: suffering. suffering. Carl Jung, yeah, and yeah,
1: and I, I totally believe that. And this is the perfect opportunity for a neurotic person to latch on to this and run away with it. And so, so it, to go back to how do you cope? I think embracing the the discomfort of this is is a, is the path. To feeling better, and the path to conquering the fear about this. So I think that's that's one thing. Um, I think making sure that you're still having fun. And you know, somebody somebody once told me, uh, you know, when when you're going through something difficult, just do the bare minimum, whatever that is, whatever the bare minimum is for you, just do that. You don't have to feel like you've got to do more than that. But just do the bare minimum. And maybe right now, that's a way for people to feel okay. Just do the bare minimum. Whatever it is. Get up. You brush your teeth. You shower. And um, I don't know. Maybe you eat healthy. And I don't know. Maybe that's the best you can do. Mm -hmm. Maybe for you. For you, maybe that's the best you could do for that person. And that ain't so bad. And that's just treading water. And maybe we're all just treading water until, you know, Dr. Fauci (laughs) figures this out.
0: Right. Well, I think it's comforting uh, to know in a weird way that um, you look out the window and your neighbor and you, you know, the people in your area, your friends, colleagues, or strangers, we're all going through this uh, together at different levels of fear, uncertainty, of grief and loss we're all in this uh, together. So uh, I, I don't know. And in, in, on some level for me, that's uh, comforting to know that it, it's not just me going through this. I mean, if it were just me going through this, I, I, you know, I feel like I'd be more in control. I can kind of deal with it. I can get in touch. I can seek some professional help for myself. But the fact that we're all going through this uh, um, uh, together Sort of like being in the military when you have to do some things you don't want to do. The fact that you're with a bunch of guys that you've been training with, that you feel trust with and a bond with, that you're all in, the, in the embracing the suck, so to speak, together. Um, the, the, yeah. That gives me a sense of uh, comfort.
1: Mm-hmm. There's some studies that have been done about why pledging, if you pledge to a, a, for a fraternity or a sorority, why that is a bonding experience. Why doing these horrible things, having to suffer through whatever people who pledge suffer through, why why does that bond you together with your fraternal brothers and sisters? And it's the theory of shared misery. It's experiencing the the same misery that perhaps connects us. And maybe that's why groups like You know, trauma survivor groups work so well because it helps me understand you a little bit better and vice versa. And we have this mutual understanding and can, and ultimately connection. And this is maybe the first time, I don't know, it's probably the first time, but one of the first times I remember going through a totally collective experience together at the same time. Yeah. And there's some great value in that. We could, on the other side of this, come out more connected to one another than when we started. We could.
0: This is what I'm hopeful for. I mean, just like the the only other time I can think of was Mm 9-11 during that whole time and how it just seemed like people were able to kind of pull together this joint suffering, this joint loss, and uh, joining efforts together, resources and energy towards you know uh, towards a goal, towards rebuilding, towards helping each other cope and deal with this um, okay. thing. And and I feel like this is going to be the same. I'm already starting to see that. Yeah, uh, I, think, I
1: think I think you're right. I think we could see that on a much larger scale because that you know that was that was ex- almost exclusively a New York thing. And um, you know, I, I don't know. My my pessimistic side says, yeah. After after that, New Yorkers were, you know, we were. It was a big love fest. I I wish I could say that, that lasted very long. Um, I don't know that it did. But um, th- this we could come out on the other side of this much more connected to one another than prior. I hope I hope that's what happens, and I hope that that lasts. There's a part of me that thinks, man human nature, once we have, you know, all our creature comforts back, we're, we're going to go back to kind of being the same self-centered organisms that we tend to, to we tend to be. Um, <laughs> You're, pr- You're probably
0: right. Yeah. But how <laughs> long, how long will that take? I mean, because this isn't just going to be a quick turnaround. I mean, there's still going to be some apprehension and some fear and some uncertainty. So,
1: right. Yeah, look, this is uncharted water. Uh, you know, we, we, we've, we've never floated through this before. Um, so who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? It, uh, it, there are many, many possibilities. Um, uh, so that's one way of coping, I think, like I, like I was saying. I think, you know, making sure that you have some kind of schedule throughout the day, particularly for people who are working, who have to work from home you know it can get pretty monotonous even the three days that i'm working from home they're a little monotonous so i can only imagine the people that have been doing this from you know several weeks ago um so i think you got to get creative you, you have to get creative and i think we're we are so lucky to have the internet to be able to do this to be able to feel like you're sitting in a room with somebody else i think that 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 is, we're very lucky to have that because without this, I wonder how the folks in 1918 with the Spanish flu did it. I can't imagine being cut off from family members, not being able to communicate with them, not being able to see them or hear them, not being able to get information as quickly as we're able to get it now. Right. I can't imagine. That was much, much worse. So I think, you know, so this is also a time to be grateful. It may seem like a time where, you know, what am I supposed to feel grateful for? You know, my, my mom just died. What what am I supposed to feel grateful for? Right. Yeah. Maybe feel grateful that you could attend her funeral online. Yeah. Versus not being able to attend her funeral at all. And, you know, I, I don't know if that sounds harsh or not, but I, I think, um, to go back to an Albert Ellis, uh, theory. um, You know, really, life is just full of inconveniences. Just, you know, yeah, things things can be pretty bad, but I think we have to perceive them as just inconveniences. This is an inconvenience as well. And I think if we can think of it that way, I think it'll just help us cope much better because, you know, I think folks are... um, Uh, some, some, some of it can be overblown and not proportionate to the stimulus. Yes, this is, this is very scary without a doubt, but is this the worst thing ever? I don't know that it has to be. I'm not sure that anything has to be the worst thing ever. I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm not even sure that our own death has to be the worst thing ever. Because if it is, then the time that we spend alive we're going to be waiting for this terrible horrible thing to happen and that's and, uh, that's not really living well so even our own death, death, i think we have to think of it as well it's it's a, just an inconvenience um it's it's the one it's the one real inconvenience that we all have to deal with and i think if we can think of it that way living becomes much better much easier than to think of anything as a disaster and a catastrophe and this is this is pretty horrible i mean this is horrible and i haven't had anybody close to me die so i'm very lucky um uh, but i think we have to think of everything anything that bothers us has to be thought of as as an inconvenience and this is a pretty big one
0: a pretty big inconvenience for sure but at least that takes some of the sting out of it because, you know, you can convince yourself that something is absolutely monumental. That something is the frigging worst thing ever when you can, uh, really just yourself minimize that, by just your thoughts, just changing your thoughts about it. Mm-hmm. You have that power. You have that ability to do that. We have that power and ability. Um, and I, I, Uh, I I think that, um, um, more importantly, for us to have a sense of gratefulness and to focus on the things that we do have and the opportunities that we have that have not yet fully been realized, um, to be able to uh, embrace this new version of the world, to... uh, um, Take a real uh, deeper look at yourself, um, to engage in something new, different, um, to have a schedule throughout the day, to think about the types of boundaries you would like to create for yourself and um, for the people around you, to enjoy the people that are close to you, whether you uh, have them for the next moment or whether you have them for a lifetime. Just to enjoy each moment that you have with your spouse, with your kids, with uh, your uh, parents, with your, um, you know, other loved ones, you know, just really enjoy that. Take the time to reach out and to let uh, those people know that are um, important in your life that you're thinking about, that you love them, that you care for them, um, because they need to hear it as much as you need to hear it.
1: Yeah, Yeah, I think um, we can... Look, I think it all comes down to perception. We can perceive this as terrible and awful and painful and never-ending. We can certainly perceive it that way if we want to. Um, Or we can perceive it differently. We can perceive it as, hey, look, I have an opportunity now. I have time now. Uh, I have some downtime. I can use this to recharge my batteries. I can use this to get away from people that I don't, care for <laughs> maybe their family, maybe their friends, maybe their co-workers. hey, I don't have to see them now I' have a perfect excuse. this is great <laughs> or you know you can think of it differently. you could think of it as you know I'm I'm, I'm I'm separated from the people that I love and care about and again thank God that we have Zoom and Skype and FaceTime and so on <laughs> and all, these ways to still connect with people. It's virtual it's not the same. But imagine if we didn't have it. Imagine right. if we didn't. Yeah. So I think we've got to be grateful for that. You know, we, we, we do we have time now? And time is the one thing most people, they desperately crave it. And they, they, they don't have it. Enough of it. Now they do. Yeah. And what I'm seeing is that people are still unhappy. So what's that about? You get the thing that you finally want and you're still unhappy. So what's that about? And look, look inward. Look within to find out. You know, there was, this, there was this really awesome episode of The Twilight Zone. I don't know
0: if
1: you're a fan of it, but yeah. there was this one episode, and it was with Burgess Meredith, the actor. He was in a lot of Rod Sterling, the creator, cast him in a lot of roles because he was a great actor. He played um, Mickey in, in Rocky. Uh-huh. And uh, there was an episode where he was a bank teller. And he loved to read books and he was always reading books. He would even read books on the job, and he wasn't supposed to. And he had a wife who henpecked him. He was a very neat guy. And and he goes into the vault one day and locks himself in because he, he works at a bank. And there's a nuclear explode, there's a fallout, a nuclear bomb goes off. And, and he's the last survivor because he was in the vault. Right. And and he's thrilled because now he has the time to read. His wife didn't want him to read because she was an attention vampire and needed all his attention and she wouldn't let him read. She destroyed his books. Now he has all the time and he finds a library. You know, it's destroyed, but the books are still intact. And, he goes, and he's like, this is, this is great. I can just read for the rest of my life. The ironic twist is that he trips and he falls and he breaks his glasses and so he can't see. <laughs> and so it, it, a lot of the probably Zones end very tragically. But you know, right. there's a guy who, you know, now he has the time to do what he wants to do and, and, and yeah. be happy about that. And maybe it's an indication that there is something lacking if you're finding that you have the time and you're still unhappy. I think it means you got to look, look inward to figure out right. where the void is coming from.
0: Because maybe it wasn't just about time. Maybe there was a deeper thing that you were just using time as the thing to, you know, attach that to. That way you can kind of verbalize it uh, to others. Well, it's because I don't have enough time. But then when you have the time, you're like, you're still not engaging in those things you want to do. So what is the deeper meaning there? That's a topic for a whole other Um, (laughs) discussion um, as we start to dive into who we really are and figuring out more um, uh, about our thoughts and our feelings and the the deeper sense of us breaking through that zombie type behavior. Mm -hmm. Um, Anyway, uh, I I don't want to uh, keep you and they're about to honor the healthcare workers. So, (laughs) Always, always a treat. Always a pleasure. Thank you again. And uh, I'll I'll look forward. We'll be um, reconvening for uh, next week. Uh, Yeah, I think I'll see you
1: next week and uh, talk about something else then.
0: Yeah, thanks, brother. Any uh, um, uh, follow or or any last minute uh, burning desires or thoughts?
1: Just uh, wishing all your listeners uh, to be safe and healthy and, you know, and we're we're, going to get through this we are definitely going to get through this i'm i'm
0: sure of it absolutely yeah be safe out there take care enjoy do something different uh embrace the uh e- embrace your worst uh, um fears of this and discover that it's really not as bad as you think mm-hmm. focus on the positives um and do some uh soul searching yeah. well stay tuned uh um for more uh, outstanding content coming to you